begins now. Capital 263. What up, what up, how you doing? Nana and the other guys are now in lane here. And it's super cool to be back, like the first episode of 2018. And what a cool way to kick off 2018. Uh, but this really special episode. See, our friends from Almasi um, Collaborative Arts have, have got this really cool uh, Playwrights Festival. It's going on on Friday and Saturday. And they've got like three amazing plays that are going on. And Musa like, was the ultimate plug here. And he said, like, listen, let's go and talk to Elizabeth Muchema, who's in this episode. And also talk to Danai Gurira. Now... You will see that in the interview, I didn't actually introduce her because I was like super like awestruck. I was with Archie. So I'm going to try and introduce her properly. For those who might not know her, like, because I know some of you guys know her, but some of you those who don't. Danai Jekesai Gurira is an American actress and a playwright. And it's, I wouldn't call her American because like she's American and Zimbabwean, obviously with the name. And she's best known by her, by her role as Michonne on The Walking Dead. Uh... Also on, I mean, like, soon to be seeing on, on, I can't, I can't even contain this. We're soon to be seeing on the Black Panther, as well as um, we've also seen a play, a Fanny Shakur Tupac's a mom on, on the autobiography of All Lies on Me, Tupac, Tupac Shakur's autobiography. And she has also, she's also the writer of the Tony Award winning play Eclipsed, together with a whole bunch of other plays, which we're going to talk about in depth in this particular episode. I was with Archie, we had a great time, and I want you to listen to this super amazing episode. We are late in 2018, brah, brah! <laughs> <laughs> We have like totally seen so much that you've done um, for the past couple of years. I am in awe. I've been trying to practice this line, but I think it's totally not working. But when we first heard that you were here, um, I was told that I should really look at some of the stuff that you've done as a playwright. And I had no idea that you had written anything called The Eclipse until I actually found out about it. And then when I looked at what the story was, it became more interesting. And the first thing that I thought of was, she deliberately had Lizzle Thomas to actually direct it. And then you interviewed 30 women who went through the Liberian Civil War crisis that said, and I'm thinking, if all these people had some sort of experience with, like, you know, like human rights abuses and stuff, and all these women in particular, which one story stood out for you, like, as you talked to all those 30 different women? Uh, I really would be very difficult for me to put it into one, one story. I think that's why I had to create five very vivid characters. And even that didn't embody as much as I could talk about concerning mm. the struggle of women in war and the stories of women in war. But the, the idea of it was to make it deeply intimate um, and very, very uh, personal so that an audience couldn't walk away and not feel connected to what women go through in war. Because we only hear about the warlords. We only hear, you know, about their, you know, we hear their voices, we hear their perspectives, we see their generals. But do we see the, the true casualties of war? The people who are used as weapons of war against their will, the people who are the most vulnerable, the people whose lives get the most destroyed. Uh, we don't really hear their voices and see them. And I thought Liberia was such a powerful place because each of those women women in, those, in that play embody very powerful perspectives. Uh, they're like 20 stories behind each of those women's inspiration, mm, mm. character actualization, uh, from the, the astounding story of Liberian women of peace, the peace women movement mm. that, you know, 
quite certifiably stopped the war and it resulted in the first female president your head of state on the continent being mm. elected yeah. because the continent the country could not argue with how powerfully these women had ended war through very tactical peaceful non-violent means and that was something i couldn't leave out of the story i had to bring in a character that represented the non the the women's peace movement but then there's also the story of the girl who um uh who yeah, played yeah, yeah. on broadway um the girl is also a very important character and is kind of the character you see evolve the most to play one could argue is the protagonist mm. but it's also very much each character is almost a protagonist in themselves but she's that character of that girl of war mm. what happens to the girl child in war mm. the most horrific things you can imagine and what do we offer her at the end of a war who is she who was she at the beginning and who is she at the end and we hold that responsibility so to me that also was one of the most powerful things to tell and the story i had heard about a young girl who the story is embedded in the play mm. i guess that was a story that hit me the hardest to answer your question mm. um was a story of a girl who had been raped to death and i spoke to her mother Whoa. and she was on her 10th birthday and that that pretty much changed my life to hear the mother recount that story and that story is embedded within the, the, in the play yeah that 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 is really sad and a lot of sad things really happen and it's it's not just about in, in times of war even in in the world that we live in now and with the way that you tell your stories is is it going into that you you bring the modern as well i'm bringing the what the 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 modern the modern stories like it's not like the war was a long time ago it was it was quite, you know, it, quite, was quite it was recent, it was but mm, very. A, a, a lot of people also like when you hear the stories within eclipse you know your your heart breaks you, mm-hmm. you, you, you feel yourself want to cry mm-hmm. which even as guys we don't want to cry too much in public but mm-hmm. the stories in eclipse are, are sad like that mm-hmm. but you you have some people who like stories to be modernized to be the word but they want to they want to be able to to recount it in the way they live their lives now like maybe in the work is the same thing happening in the workplace mm-hmm. um other stories growing in that in that sort of way or well look the the key thing to always do as a storyteller is you specify what story you want to tell um you let it take you where it's going to take you mm. uh to find its truth because mm. each story has its own specific truth and you allow that to resonate with your audience however it's going to mm. and the thing that i think made eclipse uh something that was surprising to people was that there's a lot of laughter in eclipse people if you watch eclipse you're going to laugh yeah. and you're probably going to cry yeah. and because you're experiencing very vivid characters with personalities personhoods desires aspirations hopes pains so it's not just statistics mm. it's taking that women character of war out of a statistic category mm. and making her something very vivid so people can see themselves people often said who would i be in a war zone mm. and that's often what i want people to question because you are able to be yourself right now because your You're circumstances are stable mm. but what happens when they're not and so that was definitely something that anyone can take with them is and it's also like stepping into something that is not your current reality mm. but what makes you any better than that any of these five women you know and that's something that i always do by creating very vivid 
multi-dimensional characters, complex with issues, flaws, strengths, everything. No one is just like a, a perfect noble savage character no, no. that has one or two dimensions. Everyone is a full human being that will connect to people whatever walk of life they, they are in. Uh, you know, and that's the hope. No, just just on on the on the director bit, right? Um, little Tommy. Yeah. D d how important was it that she was South African first of all, and that she'd lived through apartheid, and she's a woman of color, and she's directing a play with women of color in the United States of America, and she's from Africa, sure. So, mm -hmm. would it have been a little different? Was that a deliberate choice? Was it she who did the choosing? How did it work out that the whole everything about it is centered around women particularly with from of african descent except i think the one from haiti i think who mm -hmm. then went on later was it deliberate and how much did it change or affect the direction or the, the flavor of the of, of of eclipse um it was it was of course you know you have to go through as a playwright you in, in the u.s at least mm. you start off with a play you you work on it with uh on your own and then you work on it you have a theater helps you develop it gives you a reading or two you start mm. to keep developing it and then they say okay we want to produce it and then you decide on a director yeah. and I you know I inter I, they suggested people and I interviewed them and I, of course I already knew Liesl but this was definitely the perfect match mm. between me and her and for all the reasons you mentioned of course we have a, a similarity of passion and of connection to the continent and desire to tell stories from the continent in the west mm. um, and uh, yes she has a, of course a, a deep passion for these sort of conflicts that happen on the continent and of course this untold story often of the woman mm. so it was um, a very very uh, likely match but I will say I you know I did have there was a, a wonderful Irish lady that I picked to direct it in London, mm. uh, in the London production, um, I went through a, a variety of, of uh, interviews. I interviewed six female directors, and I did come to the realization through some trial and error mm. that this play needs to be directed by women. Mm. This particular play. Oh, no, this particular one. This yeah. particular play. Mm. Not all my plays, but this particular play because of the space that needs to be created for these women to get very, very vulnerable and go to very vulnerable places as, as, as women and, and bring out that connection and that 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 safe space it just it's a it's a lot to go over okay i'm dealing, i have a male director and i need to get to that place <laughs> so i just had female directors i just interviewed female directors in in london and um i the, the woman i found was really the most perfect for it was irish mm. Catherine, i forget her surname it's really terrible look it up the gate theater okay. and um she was fantastic for them. She was fantastic. But the Irish also have a history of oppression. There we go. So it's just, maybe that's, that's one of the things with it, right? Like the idea of oppression and having experienced it. Mm -hmm. um, like I've got so much to ask. And it's, it's, I was thinking about the convert as well. Like, mm -hmm. um, and there was, when you spoke at, on an interview and said Zimbabweans don't know nearly as much as they're supposed to. This was in 2012. Mm -hmm. Do you still feel the same? Specifically when you think of the fact that you you also grew up here, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking like the convert was inspired by a story that happened in your family as well. Um, where do we where do we then put religion as something that saves people from mm -hmm. from a certain patriarchal and oppressive uh, system, mm -hmm. but then also brought people into a sense of you know we 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 don't quite know how much it was misused sort of sometimes to actually make mm -hmm. people believe in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So where do we stand in 2017 as far as that goes? Like mm. until until we didn't know much. Do you think we know any better now? Uh, I, well, here's the thing. What I was referring to 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 be to specify was. Um, I did A-level history. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not a lot of people do A-level history. 
Yeah, it's tough. I did A-level history, <laughs> and I didn't learn the things that I wrote into the convert. Okay. That was not on the syllabus. Ah. So we, to really get into our history, and a lot of Zimbabweans, we're such a nerd nation, which is what I love. I love Zimbabweans. are very, very nerdish. We have the highest literacy rate on the continent. And, you know, we are very, very smart, intellectual people. Mm. But um, there is, there are gaps that can happen with our knowledge of what happened in recent history to us, you mm. know, in terms mm. of 100 and 150 years ago, exactly what happened, exactly how things came to pass. You know, I'm still doing tons of research, research about, you know, the movements in the 30s. And in the 20s, when the first like Af African middle class started to emerge and how they started to uh, create a resistance, but then also try to assimilate. And you know what I mean? There's so many things. I'm like, my God, where, why, where was this on my A-level history syllabus? It wasn't there. So that's kind of the thing I was referring to, is there's some things that we just don't learn in, in that sort of specificity about our recent history. And uh, that was something that I was finding very shocking to, um, to learn as I researched the convert. And then as I watched Zimbabweans watch the convert and watching their commentaries, and we have that on our website of Almasi, comments of people talking about how much they didn't realize and, and they got a sort of a history lesson watching them, the show. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I was referring to in that regard. Um, the second part of your question, what was it? Like, do we now know any better? Um, you know, I think that there is, I mean, I don't know about better, it's just about knowing more. more. Mm. And more and, and getting into those intricate histories. I think there's just so many stories to tell, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and that's what's, it's, it's very exciting to me, is the idea of, of how many stories we really need to tell uh, that we haven't we haven't really taken a hold of. Like there's so much, so much. This is why we have a playwrights festival because mm. there are stories. We need space to tell the stories and to get our stories out there fully fleshed because we have so much history we haven't even recounted. Apart from the playwrights festival, is that kind of why you brought Almasi into our lives? Yes, and uh, by the way, I remember the second part of your question. The second part of your question was about, was about religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yes, I mean, it's a complex thing. It's, it's Great storytelling to me always involves complexity. It always involves contradiction. Mm. We are complex people. Yeah. And we have all that. Yes, Christianity came, and we can see the ways that Christianity may, you know, may have it, it helped us in certain ways. We can also see the ways Christianity was used as a tool of colonization. There we go. It's both. Yep. It's both. And that is a very complex thing, which is what the convert gets at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, like, everyone's perspective, I had to, I got into everyone's brain, and everyone's perspective was valid. Everyone. So there was no winner at the end of the day to say no. So at the end of the day, religion wins over African tradition. It's like it just kind of opens no, up. No. Like well, the thing that, I think the thing that um, I was hitting at was, you know, I, I looked at Esther Jekesai mm. as some, something of the birth of the true African interpretation of Christianity. Ah. I looked at because she created that song we all know, Makana Kababa. Mm -hmm. At the end of the play, she sings it. She mm. creates it. Ah. So I'm playing with this historical fiction idea that this 16-year-old girl who had just become a, a, a the, the model convert in the Catholic Church is actually, ooh, geez, yeah, is actually the person <laughs> who who birthed 
what African response and interpretation of Christianity, yes. not taking it for ourselves versus interpreting it through the colonialized perspective, but allowing, but how do we take on this, this faith for ourselves and not let it be used as a weapon against ourselves? And that's where Jekasai lands at the end of the play. Wow. Will you get to play with you doing history in A-Level in Zimbabwe maybe at some point? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Going through the road transport system. Where were you in A-Level, yo, though? Uh, I went to the convent. Ah. So you used to play around with all our PE boys and stuff. We we never had that. Saints, too. Okay, uh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> all right. But, um, yes, to answer your question about Almasi, you know, um, we definitely... Um, created Almasi to create space and opportunity and access. Mm. There's a lot of, uh, I, I, I have the embarrassment of riches of the fact that I am a Zimbabwean and then I also have American birth. Mm. So I can, I'm both things and I get to experience the access to both places. But what about those who don't get to experience access to all the established artistic institutions, et cetera, et cetera, that I get access to in the United States. Mm. But they're equally talented or more talented than me. So for me, the burden was, <laughs> exactly. So uh, the burden of my heart was, how do we create access and opportunity for the African artist and create more of that? And how do we help? How do I invest more in, in, in creating more of, um, of, um, of an industry or contributing to more of an industry here mm. for the Zimbabwean artist? So that's really the birth what, what Almasi is about. And a lot of it is, of course, I'm the child of academics. I, you know, I'm, I was, of course, I had to get at least two degrees myself as being the child of academics. Hey. And, you know, and I, so I believe in education very deeply. Yeah. And I believe that, uh, you know, exchange of information and, and ideas, but also just hardcore education is a way that an artist can then really access their talents in a way that involves skill and craft. Mm. And so Almasi, yes, it's, that's what it's all about. Really, this is a very, very vital event to me mm. um, uh, as a playwright, as a Zimbabwean woman, as an artist of Zim who is Zimbabwean. I really want to see African Zimbabwean artists get an opportunity to develop their work, get the space, get the time, have no, uh, you know, concerns about what they need to, where they need to be, how they're going to get here, what they're going to eat, you know, take all that away and allow them to find their gifting and explore it at the, at the hands of experts who are guiding them. And so that's what we have here. We bring, um, last time we had this Playwrights Festival, we brought uh, Robert Egan, mm -hmm. who is uh, the head of the Ojai Playwrights Fest Conference, which is in uh, a part of Los Angeles, California. And that's where I developed a couple of my plays. I developed a clips there. Mm -hmm. And I loved that environment. It was community. It was support. It was space and time to find your story and create a powerful piece of narrative that could then stand on its own and, and, and go wherever. And so now you have a piece of work that, that is alive and can be replicated. And that's what I want for Zimbabwe. I want to see more of our stories alive and replicated and globally competitive. And so we bring Robert here and he 
crafted a very beautiful conference last time in 2015. And from there, we had three playwrights, one of whom, Gideon, made a great connection. He then took Gideon to Ojai in California, where he developed a piece. And Gideon's exposure there resulted in him being encouraged, please apply to Emma, to master's programs here. You're a very talented young man. And the result of that is he's now doing an MFA at one of the most renowned uh, writing schools in the U.S., uh, University of Southern California. Wow. That's that sort of connection that we want to create now, Almasi. Those collaborations, Almasi collaborative arts, mm-hmm. collaboration between the Zimbabwean and the American. Just because those are the two things I am, I'm not saying that other people can't collaborate from other places. Hey. And we will definitely open this up to eventually other, other countries. We'd love to bring in a Kenyan writer mm-hmm. or a Ugandan writer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. But for now, as we are, you know, developing this thing, mm-hmm. we're focused in on our Zimbabwean writers. This year we have Alice Tuan, and uh, she is fantastic. She's a Chinese-American playwright and Mm -hmm. and teacher, and uh, she is a fantastic fit, I must say. I love that there's a woman of color here this year. I love that she she has Chinese parents who came straight from the mainland, and her stories and the way her culture, the connection of being raised in in California with Chinese parents... That whole mix, when she shares it with our playwrights, you could just see them really start to really know her and trust her. Because, I mean, you know, she was seeing all sorts of parallels between being Chinese and being Zimbabwean. (laughs) So it was really exciting. And and she's a fantastic teacher. And so we have Gideon here as our dramaturg, plowing back into his fellow Zimbabwean writers' uh, lives and works. He's learned so much in his time. He's almost finished with his degree there and is doing so well. And then we have uh, Alice. And it's been an exciting, exciting time for me, just sitting in the room watching these playwrights and watching these these uh, stage managers and and uh, the dramaturgs and they're all you know a lot of them have BAs from UZ and you know they have a lot to offer and they, they some of them are just like we don't really have a job right now you know and so they're so excited to be here they're hungry and I just it just makes me want to create more and more opportunities so now my brain just keeps ticking and ticking about what I do next and how I really establish more and more things because there's there's such talent and ability here no. Well, I was going to say, the more plays they have, the more date nights some of us have. Affordable, right? By the way, our stage readings are free. There we go. Yeah, we keep things free to the public. We're actually trying to develop and establish more of this community. But by the time you get this, you probably will be able to come to like the something going on Friday. Yes. Yes, Friday. Friday and Saturday, the twelfth and the thirteenth, we will be doing stage readings of these works that have been developed over the past two weeks, and that's free to the public here at Zimbabwean Journal Society on Lawson Street, Lawson Road, and it's an extremely exciting thing to come and see. We have amazing actors, fantastic directors, and really, really gifted writers who I tell you, you're going to want to say I knew them then. um, They're going to go far. (laughs) No, speaking of parallels, because you know you got around this. Speaking of perils, because I noticed that most of the stuff you so often in peril, even when you look at the continuum, I think. Uh, but now I want to go through the peril that that is that is what we call the Negra as much as we know. I know Musa is gonna kill me for this, but then I just could not not ask about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we talked about you as a playwright, but then a lot of people know you as an actress, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of nerdy geeks and just just typical any person who likes movies and everything that we watch, specifically me, right? 
I just want to know, did you, did you bring one of your swords here, man? Like, this is still belong to me. I mean, just, just keep one, man. You know, just, <laughs> just take photos or something of it. I don't know. Uh, no, that, uh, those are very expensive weapons. Mm. They are kept locked away. I can't even take it off the set. So mm. I have practiced ones, but not the real one. The real deal does not leave their hands. <laughs> do, do, are you, are, do you, like, I don't know how much you're able to speak on this, but then you have got an amazing character, a very strong woman who uh, in The Walking Dead, and then you've got now like coming through the Black Panther, and then you played an amazing strong woman again in the in Tupac's autobiography. Do you feel like you might just get typecast into just those roles? Like, do you think maybe one day they might not, you might not be? I don't like, I don't know how how it works, but like playing another role which isn't typically the strong black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what strong black woman means. Mm. I just play characters that appeal to me. Mm. I play women that are interesting, complex, and original. That's kind of what I go for. And so when I look at any of those roles, I was attracted to each of them for various, very different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really had never come across a woman with a sword and dreadlocks who, you know, <laughs> nah. was navigating the uh, apocalypse mm. as her own army. Mm. That was new mm. to me. And I wanted to explore that. And who also had a lot of complexities and flaws. And I got to, you know, play this character. I played her over the course of six years and she's evolved. You know, she's changed. She's fallen in love. She's got a family now, you know. So she's been able to really, uh, you know, and she's made a lot of mistakes. And she's, you know, she was a little nutty in the beginning. You know, she wasn't just, she was nutty. So she, I have been able to play this full gamut and she's been vulnerable and weak and cried and, you know, and, and, you know, leaned into the the, the love and care of, of her man. So I don't see her as just a strong black woman. There's so much more. And there's so much more to her. If that's what people see, okay, cool. But there's so much more to her if you take the time, you know what I mean? And of course, with Okoye, there's, you know, she's, uh, you'll learn more about her when you watch it. But, you know, she's the head of his army mm-hmm. and she, you know, she's the general mm-hmm. of the, uh, of the of the Wakandan army and she's the head of his special forces but you know as you watch the movie you'll see she also has you know complexities and and, and humor and, and yeah. she's a very interesting people chick. keep saying she's got actually she's, she's actually a little funny inside there as well she's very very interesting and, and you know so yeah she she's powerful and I think there is you know I do end up and like connecting more I guess with powerful women characters mm. I don't really have a problem with that as long as they are complex and there's something in their new and challenging for me and uh, there's a lot of new and challenging things in Okoye for me I mean mm-hmm. she's a general she's military mm-hmm. that's a whole new mindset that's not that's not Michonne mm-hmm. Michonne mm-hmm. you know makes her own rules military in from a traditional African country mm-hmm. that's a whole that's new a thing whole new ball game, yeah. and um, it was and the sort of the, the obligations that you have when you are holding the safety of the most uh, you know, hidden African nation on your shoulders, the, whole, the most hidden nation in the world mm-hmm. on your shoulders. That's a whole other ballgame. Um, and then, of course, playing uh, Afeni Shakur, I mean, that was a very deep exploration. She was a powerfully interesting woman. She also went through very dark times, yeah, yeah. Um, of course, where she was, you know, struggled with, with drug addiction and things mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if that's a, that falls into strong, mm-hmm. you know, but it's complex and she had strengths. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I only I only play characters that are fascinating to me. I have to really like them. 
I've been at, I've been offered roles I haven't taken. I have to really like the roles I take. I have to really be excited about them. Um, like um, the role I played in uh, the play of uh, the film Mother of George, she was very. Um, uh, different. Mm. She didn't have any obvious strengths. Strengths, mm. like the yeah. yeah. She was a bride, and she was trying to please her family. Mm. Uh, it was just a whole different ballgame, and a fascinating one. Uh, I have one question. It's born mostly from what you just said, and it's one of the things that makes me curious these days that I'm following. It's how do you make a career like that? There are so many choices you you had to make coming to where you are now, and being able to make the right ones like I know you're complex so obviously there were some mistakes here and there but you know being being able to say this is maybe an opportunity to go into mainstream TV but no I won't take it because this is my passion this is where I'm going so much of us are faced with with the challenge of making decisions where look you can make it right now and you don't even know where you're going to go if you make it or you can stick to whatever you had decided you were going to do from the start and go with it um, yes, um, that's a great question. And what, what you really have to come from is a sense of knowing yourself. You have to know who you are. You know, that's what I say. I get this question in various forms in the U.S. from American artists and students. Um, you have to know who you are. Once, and that's a journey. You know, I spend a lot of time hidden away, like in, in my own cocoon. I, I went to graduate school for three years, and that was my apprenticeship time. It's a time where you're developing your voice and understanding who you are as an, as an artist and as a human being and what your vision is for what you want to contribute. And that's something that I think sometimes as artists, um, especially in my field, actors, they don't, they just, they start trying to just, we just try to be trendy. But there, there's nothing, there's nothing to that. That's not substantial. And it's not going to sustain you. It's not going to fulfill you. What has to fulfill you is a sense of self and a sense of having a vision for what you want to contribute. I, I recently said this and I really, I read it and I said, oh yeah, that's true. I meant that. Which was, you know, <laughs> artists have to care in a way that is almost exponentially more than most other people. We have to care. We have mm. to care about something. Oh. It can't just be that I just want to shine. I just want to be out there and do me. No, you have to care about things because you, you have to serve stories. You have to serve people that aren't you. Mm. So you have to actually care and you have to find out what do I care about and what do I want? What stories are lacking that I want to see told? You know, you have to have a vision. And I think when you don't, you um, you float and you, you, you can make more mistakes than necessary, you know? Mm. Um, and then you know what to say yes or no to. So I did have an experience where uh, a year before Walking Dead, I was at the brink of receiving a, a TV show offer that was, you know, uh, about cops and things like that. And it was, you know, it was, you sign a contract that could hold you for up to seven years. So it is quite a choice. And sometimes people are just like, I just want to get a TV job. We just want to get a TV job. But it's like, wait a minute, that's your life. That's your time. That's your creative, uh, you know, uh, output being specific to this place and this this narrative is that what you want for seven years and i had the convert was about to open in it was about to it was going to go into rehearsals in um three different theaters around the country and so that was a huge opportunity Mm. And uh, if I did, I was going to jeopardize that if I'd taken this role. And I wasn't passionate about the role. Mm. Yeah, it looks like security in some ways and whatnot and so forth. Mm. But I wasn't passionate about it. And um, I wasn't 
passionate enough about it to jeopardize birthing this play into these major theaters across the United States and letting this African story be told on those platforms. And so I said no. And it was hard. It was hard because, you know, you're sometimes you're mad at your agents, your managers are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you, but I had to do what I knew was clear to my heart. I do the heart check. Mm-hmm. Is this, does this work for me? Does this work for where I'm trying to go? Is this a, is this a move forward or is it a move to please others? Mm-hmm. Is it a move in, that, that fulfills my vision of who I am? Or is it a, a move that keeps people happy in the conventional sense of what I should be doing? Mm-hmm. Which is not necessarily what I think I should be doing. So I said no. And the result of that was um, I was free a year later when Michonne came along. There we go. I wouldn't have been. So it's very important, I think, to know who you are and make decisions based on a very clear perspective of your heart. And it's gonna, sometimes that's gonna hurt, sometimes that's gonna be hard, and you're gonna have to really let people know. Um, but this is who I am. And it's not a typical vision. Wanting to preserve myself for certain types of things, or even African things, or plays about Africa. People in the US will be like, huh? But now they get it. Now they get it. Mm. But I had to go through those testy moments and stay true to me. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thanks, guys. Um, we really gotta go. I wanted to ask about the HBO stuff that you're working on, but I'm sure we'll get to see it. Yeah, no, we'll talk about all those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome, awesome. Um, it's been great. Uh, Almasi uh, Playwrights Festival is going on Saturday, Friday, Saturday. This is going to be coming out tomorrow. So, guys, just come, come through. through. It's free. It's free. And get to meet people that are going to be changing the world as we know it. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. And now, Capital 263. Okay, so that was Daniel Gurra. I'm hoping like you guys had so much fun there. Now we're going to go to the second interview. And this is Elizabeth Muchemwa from Mashingonetara. You will find that all. You'll find out all about that in the in the interview. And she is the associate arts director at Almasi and she's a great person, a great friend as well. Um, this episode is brought to you by La Spot, uh, a really cool place to eat, man. It's like a, they've got really cool food and I was there over the holiday and we keep hiring them out for food and it's owned by a young lady, small entrepreneurs doing big things, man. It's super amazing. Go and get a sandwich there. It's really nice. So we're going to talk to um, Zaza, Zaza Mchema and find out more about her, man. Man, I had so much fun, man. Mm. And another grandmother who kind of scolds you in, in a song where, you know, when she starts singing a song, you pay particular attention to the lyrics, you realize, okay, this is me. This is yeah. what I was doing in the afternoon. Okay, mm. she's coming for me. The scolding is coming. Mm. You I know? need to be there. <laughs> so I just knew I wanted to tell stories. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to be an artist, but I didn't know exactly what it is that I wanted to do. Mm. And hearing that uh, everything to do with art was happening in Arare, I decided to come in Arare. I already had family here uh, just to explore the space and see what it is uh, I I could do. Um, So in 2006, that's when I actually approached Theatre in the Park, which is at Arare Gardens, uh, close to the gallery there. Mm -hmm. I just want to learn. So do anything, carry your bags, uh, do whatever it is that you want me to do, you know, just help on the stage, backstage, whatever, just so I can learn and, you know, so from there, I, I just, I just wow. moved into into mainstream theatre as I got connected to other people as you network, as you also go to different places and see what other people are doing. 
So, like, in this whole journey, in this story of yours, right, um, and the stuff that you've done, you seem to have been drawn again, like, especially, especially most of the founding, founding people, the people, like, I don't know if it's a coincidence, from, mm-hmm. from Amasi Collaborative Arts, seem to be drawn to the whole idea of women getting oppressed, and then, and then what are we doing as a world to it? And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about 2010-2014 Katsu Sisterhood Young Women Monologues Global Summit End to Sexual Violence in a theatrical production called The Hands Over. I did my research. All right. <laughs> I can see. Like, so, so to me, what, what drew you to that particular side of theater? Like you could have mm-hmm. chosen a lot of different things, but you, mm-hmm. you chose specifically to go to that side. So what, what mm-hmm. drew you there? Well, I guess as as an artist, like I said, I like telling stories and it's natural for me, I, I guess, to want to tell stories that deal with the human condition, but more so to do with uh, uh, the condition of the woman, of the black woman in the world, of the African woman in an African space and even an African woman in in the diaspora. So um, I got to be introduced to uh, Katsu Sisterhood by another friend of mine. And just seeing the work that they were doing with women from the different communities here in Arare, uh, dealing with issues to do with sexual and reproductive health rights for young women, mm. and you know, trying to get them to also just um, tell their experiences of uh, whether it's service de- it has to do with service delivery, whether it is to do with um, how um, patriarchy works in, the, in, in their society and how, how does it also affect their freedoms as young women also, and also how does it affect their, their health, their well-being in, in that particular society. So I, I found it really incredible, um, the work that they were doing, and, just, and also quite humbling just to, to see other people's struggles and realize that, okay, in the, in, the, in the bigger space of things, I think I feel like I'm struggling, but I really am not struggling. Mm. See, these are the real struggles. You know, these are the people who are actually really being affected by, by policies, who are also being affected by social conventions. These are people who are being affected by social conditions. Mm. And, I, and, and, I, and, I, and I realize that I'm actually one of the privileged few women who actually have a way of actually expressing themselves who have their voice and can actually give a voice to the issues that are being faced by women in those different communities. Speaking of privilege, what's, what's the most difficult privilege that men have within the creative industry that you try to explain but then men don't seem to understand that they have mm-hmm. because we have a, like a, specific, like a particular privileges that we don't even know because to mm-hmm. us like you know you can do mm-hmm. it I can do it but mm-hmm. which is the one that is so oblivious or the mm-hmm. one that you've had the most difficulty trying mm-hmm. to explain to men well I've not had uh, that much of a difficulty but I, I guess it's also it's one to do with perception mm-hmm. perception how other people perceive a woman who does theatre a woman who goes because sometimes my work is going to take me to different places it might mm-hmm. I might be asked to go and, and perform in a bar or I must I might be asked to go and perform in this particular space so coming from where sometimes even at home people would not want you to be out at night as a woman but your work demands that you do that. Whereas with the men, you can come and go. You, you'll be in the same house, but uh, you are given a different curfew from your brother who probably is probably years younger than you. Mm. But which is, which is something that I have not experienced. I mm-hmm. have had the privilege of having 
parents who are, are progressive, who, mm. who have given me freedom to find myself, to find my space in society, to find my voice as an artist. But so, you can't shut down the, the associate artistic director, <laughs> can you? <laughs> 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 But yeah. it must have been a nice road to, to come up, you know. Yeah, for Majingo, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like the road from Majingo Nitara. Majingo Nitara, no, yeah. Yeah, I guess um, because I think with each and every space, things can tend to be a bit closed. But mm. my experience has been the opposite. Um, just coming from Majingo, I think that uh, there is that perception that Harare people would group together and say, no, but this is our space, you can't come in. That has not been my experience. Mm. I've just had the freedom to just come from Mashingo, come into another city and find my way into all these different spaces and create work. Yeah, that so, only happens in Mashingo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've got the, the Mashingo luck. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> and then to directing. Mm-hmm. Hey, how, is, how did that start? Okay, so so I started with the helping out in 2006, carrying the bags, uh, helping with props, uh, sweeping the stage and all of those fun things, mm. making sure that the toilets have got tissues stocked in them. People <laughs> wouldn't know that Zazai no. has done all of that, huh? uh, Yeah, or even just helping with selling of tickets and stuff. Mm. So from there, I also, because I'm also a poet, Mm-hmm. So I also started performing at the book cafe as a poet. And then in two, in 2008, I got an opportunity to be part of the Haifa Direct program as an actor. Uh, one of the plays uh, kind of got, had a run-in with an actor who, I, I guess, became unreliable. So I was asked to replace them within the space of two weeks before the premiere. Wow. So... I did that and I, I guess I made an impression on some people because I was then um, asked to be an assistant director for IFA Direct Play the following year. And just, I just want to like blow some vuzela <laughs> for the, you know. Um, this, this honest statement that you said, um, learning to quiet your fears, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How could you use that statement to change how, like, where does that statement fit Mm. currently now mm-hmm. we've just gone through a a big switch change politically mm-hmm. um we have seen a woman who was also in the political sphere being blamed for the things that are happening politically mm-hmm. you've got women getting into power women getting out of power in terms mm-hmm. of just even social eco social culturally mm-hmm. uh, within with everything that's happening to Zimbabweans right now mm-hmm. right like the mm-hmm. bond notes the US dollar the uncertainty mm-hmm. know, a lot of things how does mm-hmm. that statement of yours learning to quiet your fears fit mm-hmm. into this particular narrative right now okay for me what happened last year i i found people finding common ground and in, in managing to speak with one voice mm-hmm. but i also saw the danger in in in, in the collective uh, agreement that was coming across because every time someone would express something different they would have people descending on them mm. so I, I guess as a Zimbabwean being bold enough to understand that even if uh, the crowd is going to, to come and descend on you mm. be brave enough to express your kind of truth your perception despite the fear of because in a way I think the crowd kind of became this uh, angry mob this uh, this vigilant you cannot uh, wrong the you, crowd you mm. cannot wrong the crowd we'll tweet you to death you know and, 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 and that mentality that we are many so we are right Mm. you know so Mm -hmm. just 
being in a space where you you shouldn't be afraid to express your difference or your different perspective just because there are many it doesn't mean that they are right and also just because you feel that you're right doesn't mean that you're right so being in a space you sh- where you are bold enough to try to start a dialogue so that we you know we 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 make each other see the different side of things without being it. let's talk about it let's talk about the issues let's not try to 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 sweep everything under the under the rug and say you know what well, this is the new dispensation so everything to do with the new dispensation is right you know how do we move forward as a nation if even if as a crowd we are speaking with one voice we are not uh we're not willing to listen to people who have different opinions from us how do we progress as a civilization if we want to hear everyone who agrees with that mm. with us with everything that we we have to say agreement i think before this what this uh, new dispensation that's where we were where we believe that what we what we what we know and what we're saying is right and before we know it we are we have got a bad economy we are in a space where women's rights are being violated where women are being victimized but if we get to a space where we are open with each other and say okay fine okay i don't agree with you and that's okay i hear what you're saying and processing that instead of saying you have to agree with me i'm right i'm right i'm right if you don't agree with me you're an enemy of our progress yeah, <laughs> you yes, know yes, yes. so yeah so that's that speaks a lot into like you know quieting the fear so now because again we have to let people go what amasi um playwrights festival zaza um after tomorrow mm-hmm. what's where are we going Okay so you mean after to, to like, the general for you in your mm. career and where it's headed what we're supposed to be looking for is what you want to work towards and mm. this particular week cuz this coming much more <laughs> <laughs> Okay um well I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the audience is going to to respond to all the different uh, three plays that are there because they're very diverse in, term, in terms of the issues that they're dealing with mm-hmm. and they're also quite unique voices from each of the three play, uh, playwrights but as myself or as our master was a question what was the question again sorry my future my mm. future yes my future okay um so i have i directed a play last year that uh, had three sold out shows at ifa uh, it was called the incident hey. so so we're looking at <laughs> you told me you told me not to be Humble. They told me not to be humble, so I'm not going to be humble. <laughs> so we're looking. Uh, the producer is looking into where we can actually take the play beyond Haifa, so that it, it also starts taking a life of its own and also can be exposed to different audiences. Um, and I also have a play that I wrote, which was part of the conference in 2015. Uh, it was it's called the fourth interrogation mm. um and i'm looking for funds for it to also be produced to be staged mm. and i have a play another one that was part of the play uh, part of the residence i i took part in in the uk mm. i'm further developing that so i'm constantly working because i i don't know another thing you haven't stopped I, working from machine you haven't stopped working i haven't, huh? I, haven't working. i haven't every moment that i'm waking up i'm working that's, that's... <laughs> That's pretty cool. So just the three plays that are going to be here tomorrow for the people who might want to come and check them out. Um so the the plays on, on, on Friday, Friday Saturday. Saturday. So on Friday we're going to be having um at 2 p.m. we're going to be having a stage reading of uh, Family Rights by Giran Jeff Abuta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giran is one of the dramatic 
finalists for this conference uh, and he was also one of the playwrights in 2015. And then at 5 p.m. on that Friday, we're going to be having The Prophet by Patrick Miller. And then on Saturday, we're going to have Please Try Again Later at 2 p.m. by Rudom Tangadura. That's the one that I'm directing. And then uh, at 5 p.m., <laughs> 5 p.m. We're going to be having uh, My African by Farah Mabeza. Okay. Yeah. Oh. That was Elizabeth Michema, whoever. So it's like an omnibus. It is. It's going to be exciting. I, 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 I think people should come. They, they, you are going to enjoy yourselves. I, I think I'm going to be here for the Friday one and the Saturday one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, fr- Friday if I get here on time because I'll be traveling. But I'll be probably. But you'll be here. I'll be here. You'll make your way. I'll make your way. Because you love our stage readings. I do. <laughs> I remember <laughs> arguing just after one of the stage readings. With, I was just. Yes, it was my sister. That was awesome. That's critical. But anyway. FaceTime. Yeah, she'll be watching from wherever she is. So, what can people look forward to with the festival coming on? I know there's the four plays, <laughs> but in terms of my emotions, you know, everything, every emotion that you've experienced in your life, be ready to experience it again. Yeah, I ain't trying to go through 2008 again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be worth your while and it's yeah. going to be enjoy- enjoyable. It's going to be incredible. And of, of course, we always have post-reading discussions because mm. in, in that's very interesting as well. It's going to be interesting to dialogue with the, with the artists but also dialoguing amongst yourselves as an audience mm. it's, it's really special so definitely please do come on yeah, Friday no 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 Saturday. that will be there Friday and Saturday <laughs> 12th and 13th right mm-hmm. yes of January, January 2018 have a nice start in case you listen to this after and you think okay and the cover charge is absolutely free yeah? absolutely so, free so general disease anti-general disease entertainment exactly <laughs> we're very progressive people. there we go there we go we're always making sure that we're serving the people <laughs> nah, thank you very much Saza. you've been a, a rock star from a show that was a high five yeah and another one there we go um, <laughs> thank you guys so yeah Thanks make sure so you much. come through and we will almost as well wanted to give the high five and be like oh look, uh, at, look at how look home it, uh, it is it's like oh well whatever it's like a medium five there we yeah, go, there we go. <laughs> all right thank you so much for coming to Nana and the other guys and you know we'll hope to see you again again all right sure. thank you thanks Saza. So that's it for today's show. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you go to Almasi um, Playwrights Festival at Zimbabwe German Society uh, on Friday and on Saturday. And I mean, like this Friday, like 13, 14 January, I think. I think those are the days, maybe. I could be wrong. But hey, this weekend, you know, hey, uh, and make sure you have fun. It's good. It's, it's awesome. It's going to be free. So it's like anti January disease type, you know. Uh, make sure you follow us on our social media platforms. Onai Online, uh, Musa Winkosi, you'll find him in the Noob Nation. You'll find Archie as well as Archie Moyo on Twitter and all social media platforms. And yeah, listen, have fun. Take care of yourselves. This is Nine and the other guys. And now. Capital 263.